0: Hey, everyone. It's Jacqueline Melanick. Welcome to Chain Reaction, a show that unpacks and dives deep into the latest trends, drama and news with some of the biggest names in crypto, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. Today's guest is Anatoly Yakovenko, the co-founder of Solana Labs, which is the company that aims to help build out the Solana ecosystem. Solana is one of the most well-known layer one blockchains and has been on fire lately in the DeFi world and for its flagship Solana mobile device, the Saga phone. Last week, Solana Mobile also announced a new phone called Chapter 2, which will be released in 2025, and they opened up pre-orders for it. And within the first 30 hours, Chapter 2 had over 30,000 pre-orders, which signals a lot of demand for the next generation phone. But the road to this point was not necessarily an easy one. The Saga phone didn't see as much demand when it first launched in mid-2023 at $1,000, and the company soon lowered the price to $599 in light of that. But the pretty crypto savvy community started eyeing and buying the Saga device after people realized the dog focused meme coin Bonk provided 30 million Bonk tokens to Saga owners for free, which at the time covered the cost of phone or you got free Bonk and the phone, depending on how you looked at it. Regardless, the Sogaphone then sold out almost overnight in mid-December and brought us to where we are today. So we wanted to bring Anatoly on to talk about the new device, how things were before the Sogaphone game type, and what's next in store. With all that said, Anatoly, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Before we get into everything, I wanted to talk about why Solana launched this Web3 focused smartphone, the Saga phone. It's been about a year and a half since you announced it. And for the listeners who don't know the backstory, I just wanted to give you a chance to explain why I launched this.
1: Well, like there's a couple of reasons. One, I think, is that I spend most of my career in mobile, right? I worked at Qualcomm for over a decade and I kind of understand the industry. I was one of the first kernel engineers and a platform called Brew, which was before iOS and Android. There were a bunch of feature phones that ran applications. People don't remember them, but like it took a really long time for phones to do something else besides voice. And that was like downloading ringtones and then it took a really long time for people to download their first application. But what happened, I remember we had this kind of moment where this bowling app, at Bowling, had like 2 million downloads and that was By far, a lot
0: at the time, yeah. Yeah,
1: that was the biggest (laughs) success in mobile, like I think by a factor of 10. And then in less than a year, the iPhone launch and everything changed. So I kind of see there's like the current phone market is very saturated and it almost feels kind of like the same situation. And there's like a bunch of weird things that are happening with crypto. And most folks probably don't realize this, but like the vast majority of App Store revenue for ios and android it comes from mobile gaming and that's like a hundred billion dollar a year industry Mm -hmm. a lot of that is like basically like loot boxes you know it's stuff that you buy in game these things have no value much like nfts have no value it's just purely entertainment but apple and google take 20 to 30 percent cut of that hundred billion dollar revenue just for free right if you had Anywhere in the world, there was somebody that took a 20 to 30 percent cut of stuff like every sale. Did your business just to like <laughs> yeah. have it on their platform. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: That's like a massive, massive tax, right? Like there should be competition for this. And it, it, it's really, really hard to compete with those platforms because they have such a lock in and distribution. When somebody buys a phone, they are not going to like shop around for their loot box that they're buying in the moment in the game, right? Like it's not like they're going to go like, oh, I'm going to go to the web or some other store because it's cheaper. They're like kind of already making that purchasing decision. And it's pretty hard to switch. But what's weird with crypto is that NFTs, meme coins, think of them as transferable loot boxes, right? Just you don't think too much about it. It's digital content for entertainment, it's transferable. So that transferability makes it really, really hard to work in an app store. The only reason why Apple and Google can take that 20 to 30% cut is because the developer owns all the content and the user's renting it. And crypto is all about digital ownership. It's about you having true ownership of the content that you bought. So. Unlike when you buy a movie on Amazon Prime, you don't actually own it. Amazon owns it. You have like a lifetime rent as long as they honor it. But I'm sure the terms and services stay. They can stop <laughs> at any moment. Yeah, or if they <laughs> shut down. Right, I don't exactly. Think they will, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, but with an NFT or something, you own it. It's your content. You have everything that you need to actually enforce that ownership. And that means like when you sell it, Magic Eden can't list it for thirty percent higher in the Apple Store versus the web store you can't you're not they're not gonna take like a ten thousand dollar nft and list it for thirteen thousand dollars in the iOS store and for ten thousand dollars in the web store so it just doesn't work like digital ownership kind of breaks the whole app store model so this is the opportunity that I thought was there and It seems like it might be. This is kind of like, it's really hard to build a phone. It's really, really hard to build a a competing distribution channel to Apple and Google. But the 20-30% is so large that it kind of creates that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we tried to do with the first device. And it was a very slow start. Kind of what we suspected is that like some developers want mobile distribution and they're willing to give away their content for free to a different channel because they can monetize it later. So if you know that you're going to get 20 to 30% on iOS as a tax, but you're going to get zero tax on this other platform, you're going to try to incentivize some of your users to switch platforms. So that was kind of the idea. And It's easy with NFTs and crypto because you can just airdrop users' content and all of a sudden you kind of start creating these network effects somewhere else.
0: Was it Solana Mobile's idea to give out the rewards or did projects come to you with that mention of the tax and be like, we want to build a dApp on your dApp store and do it that way in hopes to avoid that tax or even build something through a mobile device?
1: Yeah, that was the pitch that we gave to all the developers. Look, you're never going to get traction inside iOS and Google, they're always they're always gonna try to sandbox you and take that 20 to 30 percent. Even if you're getting a bit more leniency right now in Google Play, Apple is very much not giving any leniency and in fact trying to now monetize web purchases, which is crazy. So like you see those platforms actually, I think, build bigger and bigger walls. And all the developers that we talk to, anyone that's ever tried submitting an application to either one of these Play stores, Felt that pain. It takes weeks to months of review. It's like arbitrary and capricious. (laughs) Like, they don't, (laughs) you get like,
0: we know those lines. Yeah.
1: You get denied for weird reasons. So, like, Mm -hmm. the reason why we built the first phone is because with developers, we had instant traction. And I think when we launched the first saga, we had like, you know, roughly 2,000 sales, like on day one. I think that all of those went to developers (laughs) who are basically our number Mm -hmm. one users. So, we kind of saw that that traction immediately and some of them launched and like for every 100 launches you get one hit right so that was bonk at the time when the bonk airdrop happened to the saga v1 it was like worth 10 bucks on every phone so it was like very small and that's kind of what we expected like devs would give these small kind of incentives for people to go try out what they're building and because crypto has these like Price dynamics, right? It's transferable. Like you have opportunities for things to blow up. And <laughs> that was, you know, one of those things yes. happened to to be a hit.
0: What were the conversations like internally before the Saga phone sold out? What were you talking about to like generate more demand?
1: Well, like crypto was going through a hard bear market. And I think Solana, the ecosystem was, I would say, feeling the worst of it. So we were just like Looking for more devs to go launch more stuff. Like it was, I would say, like kind of in survival mode because during that chasm of despair, you just need to survive until you have macro turning around. Yeah, something like bonk. Yeah, not not necessarily even bonk. You just need like I don't think bonk would have happened had the entire macro didn't turn around, both in the ecosystem yeah. and globally in crypto at all. And during those moments, like you read every startup book in Silicon Valley, you just have to survive through the chasm. That's all. So we were basically in survival mode trying to figure out, but we were still selling like 20 to 30 devices a day. Just not nothing. It's not not a ton, but like there's still interest yeah. from the ecosystem. You can kind of see like, people talking about it and getting the device and being excited about it so it was still going but it wasn't going at at a pace that was interesting in like growth way in any way
0: yeah now i guess i meant by the bonk comment is that like it went from ten dollars to 500 600 maybe 700 at one point i don't remember you guys could fact check me on this but I think that obviously helped as well. And obviously the rewards that the Sogaphone brought, even Bonk aside, there are other ones out there. You guys can look it up. It helped drive sales in December. And aside from the monetary aspect, why do you think it's important to provide users with rewards or even incentives to check out dApps and all these other things?
1: Well, I mean, like just think of it as developers trying to optimize revenue. If you're building for mobile, why would you... Give Apple and Google 20 to 30% of your revenue. If you already have a distribution there and you have revenues there, you would want to identify, like, especially with mobile gaming, usually like 1 to 5% of your user base is going to generate like 80 to 90% of your revenue. It's huge power law distribution. Right. Move those users over to Saga <laughs> to, to Solana <laughs> mobile. And all of a sudden you've like increased your revenue by 20 to 30%. It becomes very obvious and simple thing to optimize if you can convince those users to switch. And that's the hard part is like giving those users an incentive to go buy this device and like become native crypto users in mobile too. The motivation is there for developers to do this. The question is like Can you create like an incentives that are strong enough for a user to change behavior? That's the really, really hard part. I think because of how crypto works and like people are buying these things for the pop, right? Like they're buying resources in runescape for, yeah. for like for fun right like you're looking for like the opportunities inside like nfts and meme coins and stuff like that those incentives i think are maybe easier to construct in crypto than in traditional gaming but i suspect that at scale it would work the same what i would love to see is eventually like folks like Epic, Tim Sweeney, or people that are really frustrated with Apple and Google to just go full crypto and like go start incentivizing users to use like Solana Mobile.
0: Yeah. Well, if they're listening, that's a call to action from Anatoly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you think the people who are buying the Saga phone and now chapter two are buying it for like the Web3 features or they using it as a main phone? Do you use yours as like your main device or is it solely for you to do crypto? related transactions things on whatever you know the dApps
1: yeah I kind of I use both like I switch back and forth all their like internal company like security policies are optimized around Apple so mm. kind of like <laughs> for business I would say I use Apple stuff right for NFTs and gaming I use Android so I've I've gotten used to using both I've worked on Android, right? So I've been an Android developer since the birth of Android. So like, I'm very familiar with it. I think as an engineer, it's pretty easy to use multiple devices. I've seen folks in the ecosystem switch which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool from apple to android i think that's maybe the first time that's ever happened (laughs) it's like people willingly switching from uh,
0: apple to android i've seen some people full-time give up on apple but um do you think solana would have seen a similar amount of adoption long term if it wasn't for these like big moments like what we saw with bonk Or even like reward models in general. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think all adoption is kind of based on these like step functions. You look at growth of any startup, it's a hockey stick, right? You build product, you optimize, and you have very, very slow growth as you're iterating. And all of a sudden you have like a step function growth. Because you like figured out a perfect formula and all the environment variables aligned, so that's always going to be the case. I think the reason why you saw this Solana ecosystem take off is because, like during the previous eighteen months, all the ecosystem teams were building products, grinding, like improving UX and UIs and everything else. Like mm-hmm. one of the best founders is like you know Meow Wolf, <laughs> yeah, Wear Meow or whatever his, his Twitter handle is from Jupiter. <laughs> If you talk to him, he gave like the best kind of gave me the best spiel about Jupiter is that like they saw during the entire bear market, just like all their numbers were dropping like week after week. And the thing that he kept telling his team is that like those things don't matter because macro's contracting. Like it sucks, the bear market sucks. Right. Just make sure that the current users that are still there are happier. So what they optimized for was like whatever the user base was still there, just make the product better for them, even if the total user base is shrinking, just optimize and constantly make the product better. And I think that's really what drove adoption across the whole ecosystem. And it's kind of like the goal for us with mobile is like give developers a platform where they can optimize, make the product better. They have secure signing. They have these guarantees that they can get on normal devices and they have a distribution channel that's free and open and crypto friendly. So it's much, much easier for them to do that.
0: Yeah. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break before we get into all things chapter two. And we are back. I want to pivot into chapter two and how the team arrived at the decision to launch this new phone. I know Raj Gokal, your co-founder, mentioned to me that it was already in the works. But kind of walk me through what the decision process was like for that and why you guys even wanted to create another one.
1: after saga sold out it felt like there's an opportunity like the timing in the market was right we were trying to figure out what the next device is going to look like what should we be optimizing for and i think just the timing worked out right around that moment what we want to accomplish here is that like we really need to get to a user base that's big enough for developers to think of it as their first distribution channel in crypto. And if we can get to, I think, twenty-five to 50,000 active users that are actively using NFT platforms and Jupyter and, and all the kind of dApps that move digital assets through Solana ecosystem, that's actually like a very compelling user base. If you look at Magic Eden, Tensor, OpenSea. The amount of users that generate those very large revenues and volumes is pretty small. It's like five to ten thousand. If we have a very very target-rich environment of like the spendiest users on the internet, it doesn't matter if it's only hundred thousand users. It's much better distribution channel for devs than the big app stores. So this is kind of like that weird asymmetric opportunity. If you have a very small percentage of user base that generates vast majority of your revenue, you can actually just target those directly and build a very compelling platform. And it seems like the timing was right to kind of capture the attention of all those folks so the kind of features that we want to have in this device is like cheaper and wider distribution some more more markets that it's available in and like obviously seed vault and dap store and things that we'd like to add but we haven't spec'd out yet are like Sybil resistance and other like kind of weird crypto specific features aren't available in normal phones
0: yeah. So for the chapter two, how will the device itself be different from Saga? Will it also be like an Android device slash smartphone or, yeah. or something else? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be Android. It's too hard to build your own OS. Like that's just... Uh... <laughs> I don't
0: know. Maybe it could be like a little like slide flip phone or something. I don't know. No, that would be ridiculous. But um,
1: with a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like a little
0: uh, Blackberry phone or something. No, uh, to the people listening, yeah. do not put that out there. But what did you do to bring the cost down and make the device cheaper compared to like the Saga phone? If it's the same device, what makes it more affordable?
1: I mean, just time. Mm. Time is on the side of making technology cheaper. So like every year there's cheaper chipsets, cheaper screens. That's true. That are higher quality. So like that's basically easier. I think when you look at like the flagship Apple and Samsung devices, like the top end ones will try to add the bleeding edge technologies available and cameras and all those other things. And that will increase the cost up. But even there, like the profit margins are huge. We're basically trying to build a compelling device at break-even costs, mm-hmm. and like at four hundred and fifty dollars, I think we can accomplish that. Like build a a really really good device with like kind of all the features that people expect at that price point. Plus, we want to add stuff like seed vault and potentially Sybil uh, resistance mechanisms and stuff like that.
0: What is Sybil resistance mechanisms?
1: Like one of the <laughs> challenges with. Crypto is identifying like who your users are versus like somebody that is farming like a particular airdrop or incentive mechanism with multiple identities.
0: Oh, it's like proof of personhood in a way?
1: Yeah. yep. And there's stuff that hardware can help with like making it more challenging to sibble those mechanisms. And there's no perfect solution. It's never going to be like completely perfect, but you can use the hardware to like make it harder to do that. And we'll see if we can pull that off.
0: Is the 450 price a break-even number for you guys, or you'll be profiting on that?
1: I I hope it's not a money pit. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay. it, it's really really hard to build hardware. I think we can break even. That's kind of like my hope, without accounting for engineering costs, but like just in the device itself. It's pretty hard to do that at those unit counts. Once we get over like 250,000 sold a year or something like that, I think we can start thinking about like, it's going to be a profitable like revenue stream. But building hardware is just the initialization costs for a line are so large that it becomes very hard to do that.
0: Yeah, speaking of number units sold, you just said 250 there. I'm curious, what is the goal now? Because I remember when you were at actually TechCrunch Disrupt in 2022, you said the goal wasn't to sell 10 million units and you'd be very happy with 25,000, 50,000 units being sold in the next year. And you're honestly kind of near that number. I guess it's 2024 now. But Raj told me last week that it had about 50,000 total owners, which was across Chapter 2 and Saga. And those are like pre existing. One's And then like pre-orders, you know, everything. But has the goalpost for the number of units sold changed given that the initial goal was met? And what number would you like to hit now? Is it 250? Are we going to that 10 million? You know, <laughs> like where are we? No, no,
1: no, not yet. A hundred k, like, is my target. So, like, we sold twenty thousand last year, and that was great. Like, at the end, (laughs) it was a slog to get there. Yeah, but that proved out that there is some interest. Like, that there's non-zero interest. It's enough to go like to the next stage. And the pre-orders clearly, like, I think, show that there's demand because the sale numbers were pretty ridiculous. I mean, it sold better than like the top CES device, right? They were selling like ten thousand a day. We sold like thirty thousand pre-orders in 30 hours so there's clearly demand i think from the crypto user base for this like new device new platform how big that demand is it's always going to be macro dependent are we about to enter another bear market or not a lot of factors go into that but my target is can we get to a hundred thousand deployed devices that's a very compelling user base because it's very target rich for developers the people that are buying this are the, the same people that love NFTs and meme coins. So it's exactly like the target set that you want as a crypto mobile app developer. Those are the folks who are the spendiest folks on the Internet. You can make games for them. You can do whatever, right? There's a million ways to monetize that. And if we have that loop going, right, devs build apps. People have fun with those apps. They go buy the phone, right? It starts that snowball effect. Then we can kind of start talking about like, how big is this distribution channel? Is this device line can be better than break even, like actually profitable and stuff like that?
0: So what number of units pre-ordered is it at now? It's, you know,
1: I think we broke 40,000. Yesterday. I haven't checked this morning, but like that's a pretty healthy number, right? Like if you do that many, like in, in week one, that's kind of 40% of your Kickstarter in, in like the first week. That's a very, 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 <laughs> very healthy number, yeah. right? Feels like 100K is achievable unless macro like totally goes bad.
0: Is it direct to consumer or are you putting it on other platforms as well?
1: Oh, uh, it's direct to consumer. Yeah.
0: Would you like consider putting it out on? I don't know, Amazon or other networks.
1: I think it's too early, honestly. Like the thing is that like we don't need random person to buy this phone. We need like crypto person that uses Magic geet and OpenSea. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we need That's those true. folks, right? Not like my
0: grandmother, yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, I would love to do that, I think, for the third one. Like, if the second one is the success and we see app developers and all this stuff happening, the third one, like, okay, how do we get to a million units? Then we have to talk distribution channels. And that's, like, a real thing.
0: There's going to be a third phone?
1: Uh, Only if the second one's a success. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Well, it seems like it's going well, so. Yeah,
1: there's a million ways for us to fail. Like, this is kind of like... I don't know if you've seen like the domino meme, like the guy pushing the little domino and then the big one falls, yes. right? So like <laughs> the $10 per device bonk airdrop a year ago is the little domino is the big one is breaking the app store duopoly, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, with that said, you know, we had this December boom, the phone sold out. You have chapter two now. How has Solana Mobile's strategy changed or evolved from like the beginning to now?
1: The big vision is the same, right? We really want to build this open platform for developers that's crypto friendly because there's like a huge opportunity to kind of undercut the fees that both Google and Apple charge. I think the tactics have adjusted quite a bit because I think we see users and developers and like both take interest in this device because the market, I think, has heated up quite a bit in crypto. So we kind of have to think to move fast to kind of capture the moment.
0: Yeah. And you kind of mentioned this, but I wanted to ask, is the ultimate goal with having this phone and the dApp store to continue going up against Google Play and Apple's App Store or is it about something bigger now? Or is it still that mission,
1: which is a <laughs> It's a pretty well. big mission, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know if there was like another thing that you guys want to like focus on, like we want to be X. You know. I
1: think that the most important thing that crypto is doing for the world is self custody. It's the idea that like you as a human, you have keys that you understand what they do and they're secure and you know how to sign with them. I think that's the most powerful tool because it's secured by math. It's impossible to break. It's the first time that you can say that an individual person has as much power, right, in a in like a, a game as the entire universe which is like a really really cool thing to empower everyone in the world with this unbreakable math so the goal here is really kind of that bigger broader vision if because we are kind of biting at the heels of google and apple and it's just if it gets to a significant enough bite that they change their policies and all of a sudden everyone in the world has self-custody and open platform for crypto, that is the the big change, right? That's the big shift that could happen. Like we don't have to do it ourselves. You know, it only takes one participant in the market, even if they're small, to change the entire equilibrium of the market. That's the hope, I think, is that our efforts change how mobile operates and everyone in the world has like secure signing and like great UX for it and all this stuff like becomes just much, much better.
0: Yeah, we've seen this in other you know, sectors and categories with companies that kind of change the way we operate day to day. So it's definitely possible. But looking to the future, the Chapter 2 device won't be out for at least, you know, another year or so, 2025, which is crazy, that's so soon. But what can Saga owners or people who don't have a Saga phone, people who are interested in Solana Mobile, look forward to in the meantime?
1: Well, if you're a developer, there's an SDK. So you can go download the SDK, start building and start deploying your apps to the Saga App store. That's easy. Mm-hmm. And if you're a developer, go please do that, because at the end of the day, we need you to build awesome <laughs> apps that users love, so they right. go get this device. So there's grants from the Solana Foundation for mobile apps and like there's tons of help from Solana Labs on getting started and things like that. So please reach out.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Anatoly. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to checking out Chapter 2 once it's out.
1: For sure. Thank you.
0: We'll be back next week with conversations around what's going on in the wild world of Web3 with top players in the crypto ecosystem. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music or your favorite pod platform and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and stories we talked about can be found in our show notes. And be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself, Jacqueline Melanick, and produced by Maggie Stamets, with assistance from Yashad Kulkarni and editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, and Henry Picovet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks for listening in. See you next time.